Welcome to the Modern Carnivore Podcast, a guide for those interested in hearing more about hunting, fishing, and other paths to eating more responsibly. Now, here's your host, Mark Norquist. Hello and welcome to this episode number four of the Modern Carnivore Podcast. In today's episode, I talk with Daniel Gelhardo. Daniel was the first person to bring the method of fly fishing called Tenkara outside of Japan, and he founded Tenkara USA in 2009. This style of fly fishing is an ultra simple way to get out on the water, and that's why I think it's a great way for somebody to really dip their toe into the world of fly fishing. And even if you're familiar with Tenkara, I think you're going to enjoy Daniel's story uh, here today and, and him sharing what it's all about and why he brought it to the U.S. We talk about the history, the technique, how he got into it, uh, and then we touch on the topic of killing fish, which is a complicated discussion. If you're not too familiar with fly fishing, this is a, a often talked about item because a lot of fl- uh, people who fly fish do not take any fish. It's all catch and release. And so we have a discussion on that. And then I want to point out that Daniel references the coming winter in the uh, in this episode, and that is because we recorded it this last fall, even though it's springtime now when, uh, when we're pushing it out. And I want to reference that today's episode is sponsored by Earth Rider Beer. Their beers are crafted with Lake Superior water and premium hand-selected ingredients by decorated brewers. They're brewing their beer at the head of the Great Lakes on the Duluth Superior Harbor for the Twin Ports and also for the North and South Shores of Lake Superior. They got four flagship beer styles available in cans, including the Superior Pale Ale, Precious Metals Hellas, North Tower Stout, and the newly released Caribou Lake IPA. And I just saw online the other day that their North Tower Stout just won a bronze award at the World Beer Cup. So next time you're heading up north to uh, maybe do an outdoor adventure in northern Wisconsin or Minnesota, make sure you pick up some Earth Rider. You can find them at earthrider.beer. I'm myself am uh, hopefully going to get up to try to uh, chase some steelhead on the North Shore soon. And you can bet I'll be picking up a 12-pack of the Caribou Lake IPA. Oh, and one last thing. I'm going to give away a complete setup of Tenkara USA fly fishing gear. This includes a 12-foot Iwana model fly rod, an aluminum rod case, an 11.5-foot tapered leader, 5X tippet line, a fly box with a dozen flies in it, a nipper to trim your line after attaching your fly, forceps to remove the hook from the fish, and the Tenkara book, which is written by Daniel. And it's a complete guide to learning this technique of fly fishing. So go to modcarn.com forward slash podcast four. That's podcast and the number four to view the show notes and also details on registering for this giveaway. I hope you enjoy the conversation. So today I'm joined by Daniel Galhardo. Did I pronounce that close enough? That sounds good. Okay, yeah. sounds good. Daniel is the founder of Tenkara USA. And uh, you may have heard of Tenkara before. I had not heard of it until maybe a couple of years ago. Um, and it's because of you, I've now found out. So we just met. 
And um, before we jump into that, though, I, I guess I, I think uh, I'd just like to hear more of your story. Like, like uh, where where did you grow up, Daniel? Uh, yeah, for those of you listening to this episode, I'm from Brazil. That's where I'm uh, originally from. I came to the States when I was 17 for high school, and I ended up staying for college, and then I met my wife in college. And I often joke that I stayed in the States for the trout fishing and for my wife as well. <laughs> that's, that's what I say. But it's nice to disclose that up front because sometimes people think, like, is this guy drunk? Why is he slurring his speech? And uh, so forth. It's it's my accent. Um, that's where I'm from. And so where do you live now? Uh, now I live in Boulder uh, in Colorado. Yeah. Okay. So I, uh, okay. I was in San Francisco for about 10 years. And five years ago, we moved to Boulder. Okay, great. So um, what is... Tenkara. Yeah, so Tenkara is a very simple Japanese method of fly fishing. Uh, it's a method of fly fishing that uses only a rod, line, and fly, no reel. Um, that in itself makes things a little simpler, but it also kind of gets away with less equipment in general. And this method of fishing also uses telescopic rods. I showed you a little bit earlier. Uh, these rods extend Beautiful to about rod. 12 feet long, uh, but they collapse down to 20 inches, fits in a backpack really nicely. Um, and you tie a line right to the tip of the rod, and at the end of that, you have four feet of tippet. Tippet is just a clear fishing line that goes between your main line and the fly, and then you have your fly. So that's the only things that you need. And you move your rod to cast the fly out, the fly lands in the water, and hopefully a fish takes it. But one of my favorite stories behind the term tenkara, uh, because nobody knows exactly what tenkara is supposed to mean, which yeah, is funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's written in this Japanese script that doesn't give it an exact meaning. But there's a story of uh, some uh, an angler in Japan catching fish after fish. And they're targeting trout. I mean, that's the native fish that they have in Japan where tenkara originated. And he's catching fish after fish. A passerby walks by. And he's like, how could you catch so many fish without having to stop and change your bait? You know, how <laughs> most people would be yeah. familiar with fishing. And he's like, well, here at the end of my line, I have this fly. It, I tied it using some thread and a feather. I cast it. And the fish sees the fly coming from heaven, and he takes it. So one of the main interpretations of the word tenkara is that it means from heaven. Okay. Because of the fly coming from heaven and fish taking it. So you're from Brazil. You live in the U.S., and you brought this Japanese style of fishing to yeah. the U.S. So tell us how, how you first got exposed to Tenkara. Yeah, so I grew up fishing, uh, bait fishing, like with cane pole as a kid in yeah. Brazil. And then I used telescopic, what we call crappy poles, you know, telescopic rods using bait. Um, so fishing has been a part of my life for a long time. And I was about 14 I really got the fishing bug, and that's, you know, obsessed with fishing. And then eventually I became interested in fly fishing when I was about 17. Um, that was in Brazil, and then I moved to the States, fly fished a bunch. And at one point I was also a uh, pretty involved in fly fishing. I was a director of a fly fishing club in San Francisco. And one thing that I noticed is that so many of my friends and people that came to the club looking for information on how to fly fish, uh, they were very intimidated by the whole idea of fly fishing. It's like, oh, I went to the shop and they tried to sell me $800 worth of gear. <laughs> or I picked up a book and they kind of, it seemed like I had to learn Latin, you know, to fly fish. And right in the middle of that, like getting the feedback from friends and members of the club, um, I discovered Tenkara. Uh, my wife, she's Japanese-American. 
And 2007, we started talking about going fishing or going to Japan to visit her relatives. And I told her, I really want to meet your grandparents, but I also want to fly fish when I'm there. So I started doing some research and learned that in Japan, they have this method of fishing that is very simple. Um, When we went there, I bought a rod, brought it back, went backpacking, um, and totally fell in love with it. But I couldn't find any information about Tenkara at all, like on the web in English. So what? Did, oh, hold on a second. So what did you fish when you were over there? What did you uh, in Japan, so they have three main types of trout. Um, they have the iwana. Actually, they have two main trout and a char. Char is kind of like a trout. So they have the amago and the yamame. Those are like a rainbow trout almost. Uh, they are native to Japan. And then they have the what is called the iwana. Iwana is like a brook trout, so a char. Uh, so that's what I fish for. Mostly amago and iwana is what I was catching there. Okay. okay. Um, but yeah, so I bought a rod, brought it back, and uh, loved it for backpacking because I was doing a lot of backpacking at the time as well. Yeah. And this just fits in a backpack so nicely because the rod collapses down carry about five in five ounces of gear and that's it i was just gonna say so i'm holding this rod here right now and it doesn't get much lighter than this yeah i mean you take this some 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 line and a few flies my gosh you could be you could be ultra this is so, takes ultra light to so that level. rod that you have there is probably our most popular backpacking rod it's okay. called the roto and that's 2.1 ounces 2.1 so ounces. <laughs> very very light um and you get a spool with line in it and some flies you're carrying another two ounces yeah so yeah you're looking at five ounces six ounces for a full kit so now are you are you um weighting these do you have like a four weight five weight seven weight like fly rods or or not no so we get away from the weight classification of the rods all the tenkata rods they're designed to cast these very light lines out and they're much lighter than any western fly line so without getting too technical Mm -hmm. We really have to ignore the weight conversation. Okay. Uh, we mostly talk about the length of the rods. You know, like if you're fishing very tight streams, you carry a smaller rod. If you're fishing bigger waters, longer rod. Um, and that's one thing to help simplify the process of getting into fly fishing. Because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's like you go into a shop looking at how do we get into fly fishing. The first thing they'll ask them is like, well, what kind of weight rod do you want? And <laughs> it's and where does that come from? And yeah. why do, does it matter? And so in pretty much everything that we do we try to eliminate all the the intimidating factor of like how do i get into this it's like well i get a rod they're 12 feet on average okay so a rod that covers 12 feet is pretty good all around so telescopes out to 20 feet but comes down to 20 inches exactly yeah yeah. Uh, 12 feet uh, on average yeah um and uh and then if you have something more specific in mind, like, oh, I always fish very tight streams, you get a shorter rod. Yeah. Or it's like, oh, I always fish bigger rivers, you get a longer rod. Yeah. Or if I go after larger fish, then you get the big fish rod, <laughs> which we have. <laughs> so we try to kind of keep it very simple uh, in pretty much everything that we do. How about the length of the of the tippet then? Is that, yeah. Yeah, so when you're starting off, you have a line that is about the same length as the rod, give or take. I mean, we're not going to give specific formulas to people. It doesn't really matter that much. Right. Don't have to nitpick, but roughly 12-foot rod, roughly 12-foot line. And then to the end of whatever line, four feet of tippet. And there's no need for leaders. You know, if, if some of, of your audience is familiar with fly fishing, it's just a main line. And tip it. No need for leaders in between and that kind of thing. And then fly at the end of that. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, so you're going after these trout and char in Japan. 
and I took you off uh, off your main story. So you come back, and you're looking for information on Tenkara. You've now experienced it in Japan, and you find there's no resources here there's, in the U.S. Yeah, there's nothing. So I um, decided— 2007? 2000, and this is already 2008 okay. uh, when I really went there, started looking for information— uh, 2007 is when I discovered the existence of this method of fishing. Um, but yeah, and then all of a sudden I just had this idea that I wanted to introduce this method here. Um, and I went about creating the concept for a business, Tenkara Yosei. Um, I was always interested in business in general. And, you know, like I had this idea, I was like, oh, I've got to introduce that here. And I'm just going to stop thinking about it for a couple of weeks. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. You know, at the time, I still don't have any kids, but no kids, no mortgage. So I just yeah. left. So what were you doing for work at that I, time? I uh, used to work in international banking. <laughs> so okay. foreign exchange and okay. uh, international banking. And I decided to, uh, as I created a business on the side, and a month before we went live to prove the concept, I decided to quit my job and just focus on it full time. So I've been wow. doing that since... Uh, 2009 now good for you good for you does your wife work and and so you've got that and then you get to do the entrepreneurial fun thing yeah well and actually my wife is between jobs like yeah so (laughs) yeah the business has been good for us so we uh just being able to enjoy creating that and that's great that's great okay so you've got the telescoping rod you've got the line you've got the tippet then you get your fly Fairly simple, like you said, and, and and you take a lot of the complexity out of it, which is, I think, makes it a great way for people to start fishing. Um, but you find that people, like, okay, so you were a fly fisherman before. Now, are you just Tenkara all the time, or yeah. do you go fly fish still? Um, well, Tenkara is fly fishing, yeah. so I go fly fishing, but I haven't touched a reel in about eight years. Okay, it's, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what all I do. I mean, I go after trout primarily in bigger rivers and smaller streams. It doesn't matter, but I think anywhere you're going after trout, uh, Tenkara is very appropriate. Um, also, panfish, like if you're going after you know smallmouth bass or bluegills and that kind of thing, it works really well for that as well. Uh, so in the end, it's a pole with a line and something at the end of it, right? Yeah, so it doesn't yeah. really matter. For the stuff that I use, it works perfectly. If I was targeting like very large fish species like steelhead and um, that kind of thing yeah. uh, or salmon, I would probably not use tenkara, but yeah. that's not what I really go after so anyways. I also saw, I think I saw a video on your website that looked like uh, some Arctic grayling uh, was, was featured in there also, which yeah. I would think it would be great for. Oh, yeah. Grayling uh, is beautiful. I've, also, I've done a few different fish species, even carp. I mean, carp yeah. can be very large, very strong, uh, but I have caught plenty of carp as well just for fun, for yeah. the fun of it. And nowadays it's funny because you'll see, even though we market this primarily for trout fishing, uh, if you type tenkara in just about any fish species, you'll probably find a photograph of somebody who's done it, okay. which is really interesting. Yeah. So, um, so what about flies? You and I talked a little bit about this. I'd ask you a question, and and, and you know, dry flies versus wet flies, etc. Yeah, and even that, uh, we keep it very simple. So, ten- I should have mentioned earlier. So, this method of fishing comes. It was originally developed by commercial anglers trying to catch a lot of fish for a living in the mountains of Japan. And one interesting thing that comes from that is that they were not preoccupied with imitating bugs and creating all these accessories. I mean, they, out of necessity, they had to keep things very, very simple and very effective. 
So whereas in like Western fly fishing, people had a lot of time in their hands and they kind of, you know, after a day of fishing for fun, they would get home and, you know, tie different patterns and imitate different bugs. The commercial angler in Japan, they just didn't really want to be second-guessing their fly choice. They didn't really care to kind of like try to imitate flies and that kind of thing. So it's really become, it's a different way of thinking about fly fishing. Um, and with Tenkara, like a lot of times, most Tenkara anglers, most of the experienced Tenkara anglers in Japan, they have one fly pattern that they use, and they stick with it. So for anybody who's already fly fishing, you can use any fly you want. You can use your dries, you can use your wets, your, your nymphs, and I'm not going to get into discussing yeah. what the differences are. Yeah. Uh, because the main thing that I've taken away from this is that all of that doesn't really matter Mm-hmm. that much mm-hmm. um, with Tenkara you have this very very simple flies that instead of imitating particular bugs they suggest a large variety of bugs out there um, so um, you know with Tenkara you just kind of have this very simple patterns that Tenkara fly and you stick with it and don't have to get too much into that mostly the main thing that we do tell people is the size is the most important thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know you get a medium sized fly that's kind of like your usual go to you go a little bit larger when the water is running higher or markier and you go a little smaller if the fish are somehow not taking the other stuff so sure. that's kind of as long as much as we usually discuss flies so um, so tell us a little bit about technique mm-hmm. what you know how does it how does it differ and uh, how do you how do you fish with tank yeah so you know in fly fishing in general so the main concept is uh, and I'm going to talk more about moving water but the idea is that you're getting your fly to land on the water imitating a bug or suggesting a bug and hopefully you'll catch a fish so if you're fishing a mountain stream or a place with moving water uh, typically you have to keep two things in mind. Uh, the currents are going to be bringing the food to the fish, but the fish doesn't want to be fighting the current. So he's going to be hanging where the water is a little calmer. And the best places are usually going to be where the fast water that brings the food meets the calm water where the fish can hang. So that's number one thing to keep in mind if you're interested in getting to fly fishing. Um, and then all you do when it's moving water, you cast, you know, in those places where the fast water meets calm water. If it's a tumbly mountain stream, just look for the calmest water that you can find. And you cast the fly there and let the fly drift, you know, between three feet to maybe 10 feet of distance, depending on how big the pool is. Um, and essentially that's what is what we call a dead drift. It's kind of like a dead uh, bug that has died and landed in the water upstream is drifting with the current. So that's kind of like the primary way to present flies. Um, but with Tenkara, one of the cool, and that's how you do whether you're doing western fly fishing or Tenkara. But one of the cool things about Tenkara is that you have a longer rod, very light line, so you have no line touching the water. And you don't have to be doing like what you call manding and that kind of thing, which really kind of bogs down a lot of people in fly fishing because uh, it's a whole set of techniques that we don't really have to do with Tenkara. We get away from that. Uh, but what we can do, which is really fun, is that if the dead drift is not working, because sometimes it's not, that sometimes, you know, like a friend of mine has uh, made the analogy of sometimes trout, they're predatorial. So they're kind of like a cat. You know, if you have a cat at home or somebody that you know has a cat and you give them a toy, they're not going to be interested. But if you start pulling the toy, they're going to be pouncing on it. And sometimes a trout is the same thing. Like sometimes they're eating all the stuff that drifts by, but once in a while they just have to be, well, I'll call aggravated. You know, coaxed, you have to yeah. coax, yeah. entice them. Yeah. Um, 
so you play with the fly a little bit, make it kind of pose, make it swim a little bit, and that can get strikes as well. Mm-hmm. So I would say my fishing 80% of the time, I let the fly drift with the current, mm-hmm. and then the other 20%, I try a combination of manipulations of the fly. Hey, everyone. Just a reminder that today's podcast is brought to you by Earthrider Beer. Their beers are brewed with Lake Superior water and premium hand-selected ingredients. Go to earthrider.beer to find out where you can get their products. Or if you're in the twin ports of Duluth and Superior, stop by the Cedar Lounge where they have their official tap room. You can also find related links to this podcast, including information on the Tenkara Gear Giveaway on the show notes page at modcarn.com forward slash podcast four. That's podcast and the number four. Now, back to the conversation with Daniel Gilhardo from Tenkara, USA. So where are you? Uh, are you mostly fishing yourself in Colorado with Tenkara? Or where, are you traveling around? I where? fish all over the place. Um, you know, I do travel a fair amount, but I do love fishing close to home, like not, not having to drive very far. Yeah. And that's something that uh, I do like to encourage people. You know, there's... I, most people have a stream close to their home that they don't realize or a lake or a pond. There's some water that has good fishing. You know, like a lot of times people think of like, oh, I've got to go far away to fish. And that's not always the case. It's fun to do. You know, it's mm-hmm. fun to check out mm-hmm. new places. But uh, personally, you know, living in San Francisco when I started a company, uh, I used to drive three, four hours to fish anywhere. And I got so tired of that. And now I love driving 10 minutes. There's two streams within in multiple sections of these two streams within 15 minutes from my house. Yeah. Um, and I don't fish them super often anymore because I got to know the fish, I feel like. <laughs> but oh, I here do. comes Charlie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Bob in the next pool. And uh, Sometimes I feel like they're my neighbors, but once in a while I'll go say hi to them and fish close to home. That's uh, what I like to do. So who is, uh, who is doing this type of fishing today? Like what, what are... Who do you find is drawn to this? Yeah, so it's uh, it's been interesting to kind of see that uh, since I started the company, we seem to do really well with two particular groups of people in general. So there's the very beginner, the people that have always been interested in fly fishing. They think it's beautiful. They want to do it. Didn't know how to start or didn't want to spend a lot of money. Right. Uh, so we get a lot of beginners. And we also get a, some of the most experienced anglers in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like... Um, I mean, there's all kinds of names that I could drop there. Sure, but sure. In any case, people that have been doing it for fly fishing for a long time, and they're either looking for a new challenge, or maybe they realize they don't really need a whole lot of gear. You know, <laughs> they've noticed that over the years. Um, so we tend to do very well with those two groups, and we also have been doing very well with uh, women that have been fly fishing. They they're going backpacking, they're doing all these different activities, and they might bring a rod along, and you know like i've talked to my wife about that and she's like yeah we don't like you know she made made the generalization for me but she's like yeah like my friends and i were not too interested in all the toys that the guys want like the reels we just want something that we can experience yeah so that's been very interesting as well that's great and you find uh are are some people incorporating it in as just one additional method of fishing or are some people adopting it as their only way to fish yeah we're seeing a big combination of pretty much everything i mean we've introduced you know people have been introduced to fly fishing because of tenkara some of them 
that's all they do. Uh, some people that have never fly fished before, they started with Tenkara, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I want to go fish bigger rivers, and they are not as intimidated, so they even learn how to use a reel for some other types of waters. Uh, and then some of the, of course, the more experienced anglers, they have that as a as an arrow in their quiver, you know, mm-hmm. so they kind of mm-hmm. carry that along for smaller streams, uh, for certain type, you know, different days. Uh, Tenkara really shines too, and I should say, in moving water, I mean, like yeah. mountain streams, that's where Tenkara really stands out because you can do a lot of things with it that you can't really do with a rod and reel, mm-hmm. uh, like keeping the line off the water. Uh, so it, some people definitely use it as a one of the uh, rods in their quiver. Uh, yeah. So in, in Minnesota and Wisconsin, where I do a, a fair amount of stream, stream fishing, trout fishing, um, it's pretty tight. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of a lot of overhangs, a lot of a lot of brush, a lot of trees, things like that. What's what's the shortest ten car rod that, that that you have? Yeah, and I and I should mention I got to fish uh, Wisconsin for my first time this year, the Driftless region, oh, uh, Wisconsin. Yeah. It was gorgeous. Yeah. It was Isn't like, it? Yeah, I mean, it's cool. like one of those areas that is just. <clears throat> You know, probably a good thing that it's not talked about as much as <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> some other areas. But I was very impressed by the spring creeks there. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was tighter waters in a lot of the places. Um, some of the areas had a lot of canopy overhead. Other yeah. areas are just like smaller streams in general. Uh, to answer your question, the shortest route that we make at the shortest length, it's 8 feet 10 inches. Okay. Which is a very, very short uh, mm-hmm. tin rod. So we have to ignore comparisons with western fly rods because mm-hmm. we're using a different system here so instead of stripping more line and mm-hmm. using more line we're using more rod and maybe a little less line so it's a little bit of a different approach would you from a technique standpoint uh can you do a roll cast with the tenkara uh, you can but you don't really need, need to so okay. the casting is going to be a little bit different um if you're already very familiar with fly fishing it's a little bit more like a steeple cast you know where you're instead of doing that kind of 10 o'clock two o'clock casting stroke where you're shooting the line behind you and forward uh, you're typically shooting the line up more than back Mm. and what that does is it allows you to know where the openings are in casting to the openings so if you have a big branch over your head instead of casting straight above you uh, you look for the opening over your shoulders, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Um, and in certain areas, you might just do sidearm casting, you know, so you keep the line away from the trees and that kind of thing. Uh, so you don't really end up doing much roll casting at all, actually. Um, okay. Just more kind of the casting stroke is pretty much the same as just looking at where the openings are. And the cool thing about it is, like, you know exactly how much rod and you know how much line you have out. Mm-hmm. What I, often happens with a rod and reels, you, you strip an extra two foot of line, an extra foot of line. And before you know, it's like you're getting <laughs> into the branches. Um, so that kind of changes things a little bit yeah. in that sense. Sure. So what kind of products do you offer? Obviously, you're, you're making these rods, these beautiful rods that are just so amazingly light yeah so rod line and fly is kind of like the main combination uh we try not to accessorize things too much our product line is very simple we have five rods in our lineup uh and they're all very distinct they all have kind of like a specific niche Mm -hmm. uh very short rod there's two kind of like all around rods at two price ranges Mm -hmm. big fish rod and a big river rod so it's pretty they're all very different and then you have we have a few different lines, but there's one that we kind of push as the main one to mm-hmm. keep it simple. Mm-hmm. But we also want to offer things to people that get into it and want to tweak things and that kind of thing. And then flies. And then the only other accessory is there's a spool 
that allows you to wind the line quickly and efficiently uh, when you're moving from place to place. Mm -hmm. uh, forceps, you know, when the fish takes a fly deeper, you know, you want to be able to reach in there and kind of take that out. Uh, and nippers to cut the line. So those are kind of like the main things that we promote. Uh, sure. So um, <clears throat> one of the things, uh, one of the, the the discussion topics that I always think is interesting with with modern carnivore, we're introducing people to hunting and fishing um, from the food angle. And so um, obviously the 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 fly fishing community um, is is oftentimes very focused on catch and release, and so uh, does Tenkara have uh, have a perspective on that? Absolutely, on killing fish or not? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, actually, and that's something that I've I talk on and off. Like I, uh, I've got our podcast. If you don't mind me mentioning, Tenkara Cast uh, yeah. is the name of the podcast, uh, and we have a magazine that I've actually written about keeping fish, and it's definitely very. Um, almost like a taboo topic, especially within the fly fishing industry, because catch and release, it, it is the ethos, and it is the main thing that we try to promote, mm -hmm. uh, because it's pretty much the way to keep a sustainable fish population if there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, so I tend to promote catch and release as much as I can, uh, especially if you're fishing anywhere that has a lot of people that go fishing there. So like, for example, in Boulder, we have Boulder Creek, South Boulder Creek. There's a lot of people. It's a big population center. If everybody keeps one fish there every week, uh, there'll be no fish there within a season, you know, mm -hmm. so unless mm -hmm. you keep stocking and that kind of thing. So there's a balance uh, between that and wild fish and self-reproducing populations. So my rule of thumbs uh, when it comes to keeping fish, and I'll do it a couple of times a year, um, places that i believe see less than one person a week that's one of my rules uh you know so typically you know places that i have to hike a couple miles to get to sure um places that i can see noticeably a large abundance of trout that are like eight to ten inches like mm -hmm. you know you you walk by a pool and you spook all this fish and there's like oh my gosh there's like 50 fish here you know i know i can take a fish or two out of that pool or that stretch mm -hmm. and it's not going to damage the fish populations in fact it might even help because they're not going to be competing with one another right um and then places that have um non-native trout that reproduce um very well so for example in the western states in particular brook trout uh, mm -hmm. they're not native in mm -hmm. Rainbow trout and brown trout are not native to most of the areas either, but brook trout, they tend to be very prolific breeders that displace other trout. So in Colorado, um, I only keep brook trout, you know, a couple of times a year, and I keep it from places that I know have a huge amount of them. Uh, so those are kind of my, my rule of thumbs that I follow. It's not to say those are rules. I mean, the main thing is just follow the regulations, right? So usually most places are, you know, the the Every state is going to have a regulation book, and they'll tell you how many fish you can keep, what sizes. That's what you have to follow. Mm -hmm. You know, that's mm -hmm. the the law. Uh, but usually they're done based on some kind of study, you know, that says this place can sustain so many fish being yeah. kept and that kind of thing. So you, that's kind of like a good place to start. Um, and at least for us, for example, I mentioned brook trout. If you go to Rocky Mountain National Park, you know, one of the national parks close to Boulder, um, you can keep like one cutthroat. I mean, I'm not going to quote the exact numbers here, yeah. but, uh, but you can keep like 10 brook trout cause they want to mm. pretty much try yeah. to take those yeah, away. Bring them out, yeah. Um, and 
don't quote me on those numbers, look it up before you go fishing, <laughs> but something like that. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So that's kind of what I try to follow. Um, you know, I do like, my, my wife actually likes eating fish, you know, more than I do. So I oftentimes do it for her. Yeah. But I feel very strongly that it's important to eat fish once in a while in terms of here I am fishing for fun and I'm kind of, you know, having joy with this fish. But in, you know, in reality, like our human nature, the way fishing came about is because we're trying to take sustenance from the land. And I think it's very important, like even if you're not interested in catching and keeping fish, you're interested in fishing for a sport, at least once, I think people should experience what it feels like to take a life, you know, to kind of take the sustenance from the land, feel what it feels like to kill something that they mm-hmm. eat on a regular base, basis that comes from the market. Um, so, you know, it's a very different feeling. It's like, I never feel good about taking a trout's life. I'm kind of softy on that. <laughs> uh, but I do feel like very appreciative when yeah. I eat the trout uh, that I keep. No, absolutely. And that's what, that's what we find is, is a lot of people, you know, who come to hunting and fishing as an adult, you know, part of the reason for doing it is, is to take responsibility for, you know, what they're already eating. And I personally find it extremely enjoyable to 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 be part of that entire process but it's a complicated feeling and a complicated situation like you said when whenever you take life of an animal or a fish and uh and i think it's it's it should be that way and it should always be that way yeah you know that's the way you appreciate it yeah most you know more and more of our food comes from markets and uh you know like and i've never hunted i'm not a hunter at all and i keep thinking like maybe i should just not eat meat anymore because it's (laughs) you know if i'm not gonna hunt so i'm kind of starting to look at maybe next season i'll try to tag along with somebody and because i haven't done that with a bigger animal for example so we're all at different points in our lives where we kind of try different things but uh you know i i know approximately kind of like what it feels like and yeah and there's a sense of reverence too i think that comes for that food and uh you know and i can talk a little bit about uh you know some of the ways to cook trout and uh you know a couple of things that come from that that uh speak to the reverence to the, to yeah. the meat as well yeah yeah so if you do eat it how do you like to cook it or for your wife did, yeah. does she cook it usually or do you uh usually i do yeah. uh usually i cook it uh especially trout you know i'll clean it and and she does it once in a while too um but the way i do it it's um it's a way that i learned in japan you know i go to japan every year um and and I in Japan, there's a very popular type of cooking tra- uh, fish in general called shioyaki. So shio means salt. Yaki, it's like a grilled. Um, usually that's going to be done over a fire. Um, and, and I should probably back it out here. So I'll clean the trout and put some sea salt on the skin of the trout, just on the outside. And, uh, and then I'll skewer the fish and grill it over a fire kind of like slow grill over a fire um and that's pretty much uh, pretty much the only way i eat trout Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's a really cool way of cleaning fish as well that i learned there and i'll send you a link if you want to post it on our website share with the the audience uh but yeah you can there's a video like a that i made of how to clean trout without even using a knife okay you just use a stick and you kind of like spin around the guts and you clean it all out and then use the same skewer to kind of like there's a special technique that you want to be mindful of 
if you want to put it on a skewer because essentially you want to kind of zigzag it on the back of the trout like a, where there's more meat yeah and that's going to keep it firm without the fish spinning on the stick and stuff when okay. you put it on a fire so there's a couple of cool things that um you know very efficient ways to cook trout i think yeah uh, and yeah. the sea salt you know it's just a little extra flavor i kind of want to taste the trout as well yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely so what's your most memorable uh tenkara fishing experience like if you if you uh are enjoyable or uh it's always it's always so tough you know because there's so many and they all kind of melt together a lot of times (laughs) um but you know oftentimes i I think of my more recent ones you know like in the you know this uh or actually last year is what i was thinking that's what i'm saying like things kind of blend in a little bit but I've really kind of got into uh, uh, foraging in the last couple of years as well, last few years. And last year, we had a great season for uh, bolete mushroom mm-hmm. hunting. And we got some boletes and uh, got a couple of brook trout. And we actually brought them back home, but just cooked it. So that's in terms of eating the fish, because yeah. I guess that's what I was thinking yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we ate the trout and we ate the boletes with some pasta. And then at the end of the you know, cooking, there's a another thing that I learned in Japan, too, called kotsuzake. Kotsu means bone. Zake is from sake. Okay. So at the end of eating a fish, you have these bones left over. And with the idea of using every part of it, you put that in warm sake. Okay. And you just drink it, and it has this beautiful kind of brothy kind of taste to it. So it's kind of like, wow, like that, that was very an enjoyable day, just eating a foraged meal uh, in general. But in, when it comes to fishing, it's hard because it's... Uh, you know, so many days are just beautiful. Um, it's no, really hard to you. answer I, that I, one. No, I, I, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> other than trout, what's what what other fish have have you personally caught with tenkara? Tenkara. Um, so I've caught a couple of small. Like uh, last year, I was sailing with my parents in Brazil. That's where I'm from. I mentioned. Um, and we did a little bit of fishing off their boat and stuff. So that was, I don't know what the fish names are. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. Know, Especially in English. Um, but so I've done a little bit of that. I've got carp, uh, grayling, some whitefish. You know, yeah. whitefish can be found in the same places as trout usually. Uh, so you might right. catch some uh, that way. Right. Uh, but maybe not a whole lot more than yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. That's well, a lot of your stream species, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, well, actually, I should... No, I should mention, like, I also go to ponds close to home, especially during runoff season, and I'll, uh, I've caught plenty of bluegill and, uh, you know, crappie and yeah. sunfish and bass as well. So I've done a lot of that, too. Well, I'm going to have to go to your site and uh, get one of these rods in, in this spring, use it to, to get uh, crappie and uh, and some sunfish in Minnesota. Maybe even in the winter. I, I, I know you guys have harsh winters, but I should mention, because winter's coming up, it's... Uh, like a lot of people love tenkara for winter fishing okay. like not ice fishing but yeah, just in yeah. the winter because there's no guides right to freeze right you know and that's a big pain like if you're a fly angler the guides start building up ice uh your reel can get iced over tenkara doesn't have that problem uh and you can keep gloves on the whole time when you're fishing so if you're fly fishing at all during the winter that's right. something to consider <laughs> that's that's a really great point yeah. and, uh, and we've got a uh, we've got a winter season on some of the, those streams so yeah that's good that's good to know um so if people want to learn more about tenkara um where should they go uh tenkarausa.com it'll be the main source um and from there you can find all kinds of videos or podcast series um 
I've got a book that I released this year uh, as well. So there's a lot of tons of free information, and there's uh, the book, which is all, you know, a very um, well-designed book that kind of links to all the videos that we've done, and it's a good resource as well if you want to get it all in one place. We'll put links to the uh, to your website and, and some of those assets on the on modcarn.com so people can go to it. So, well, Daniel, thanks so much for sitting down today and 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 uh, sharing your stories and and everything about Tenkara. I think it's I think it's fascinating, and I can't wait to try it. Well, my pleasure. This is a wonderful thing to talk about, and hopefully, we we'll encourage more people to go out and try fly fishing and experience nature that way. So, thanks so much for having me. You bet. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Modern Carnivore Podcast. I'd like to thank Earthrider Beer for sponsoring this episode. And remember, you can get additional information on the show notes page, which is at modcarn.com forward slash podcast four. That's podcast and the number four. And don't forget, that's where you can also register for the Tenkara USA Gear Giveaway. Thanks for listening to the Modern Carnivore Podcast. You can continue the journey by going to modcarn.com.